Welcome to another exciting episode of The Tax Efficient Investor. Listen in as host Michael Johnston demystifies tax-efficient tactics to help you grow your wealth. We break down complex tax strategies and make them simple to understand and easy to implement. From HSAs to IRAs, 1031s, trusts, and more, we cover it all here on The Tax Efficient Investor. Welcome to the show. I'm Michael Johnston. Joining me today to talk about tax-efficient investing is Chris Perosa. Chris is an award-winning journalist and book author. His articles on Forbes.com have earned more than 3 million page views. He's been featured on CNBC, Fox News, NPR, and dozens of top 50 radio markets. Chris, thanks for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. So let's jump right in here. We are talking about child IRAs today. So Chris, I've got an IRA. My wife has an IRA. My son, this little guy up here, uh, does not have an IRA. Um, can I can I open an IRA for an eight month old? Can anyone have an IRA? Well, um, what's his current salary? That's the question. You you need to have an earned income in order to open up an IRA. And believe it or not, yes, eight months old or even newborns can earn something because who do you think models all those diaper commercials? Uh, and it doesn't have to be. I talk to people. Uh, who are who are small business owners who have children? There's actually another advantage we can get to in it later, but don't think of it just as diaper commercials. So, for example, you're in the financial business, and you are about helping people build wealth for the future. So you could you can have your child, your your little baby there, be in an ad, whether it's a, a video ad or a say a newspaper ad, and that that baby represents the future. So you think of it like all the ways that you can do an advertisement that would include a baby in it. It's not just for baby products. It could be for other things too. I remember there's a commercial, I think it was Michelin. You might remember had the baby in the tire because mm, the tire right. protects your family. So those are the sort of things that you can do. Now, if you really want to go all out and, and I cover this, in the book from cradle to retirement which is this book woo, woo, i can't point to it this pink book right here uh what what kids do what little babies do to get hired and they usually become models well that's really what it is if you're in advertising so you could either be a model where you take a picture of you the baby or you can take video and there are modeling agencies that represent this there are also rules on what you can do, depending on what state you're in. And these rules really come back, go all the way back to, oh, let's see. Do you remember the Little Rascals? You do. Okay, black and white cartoon, lots yep. of little kids. Well, one of those kids, he uh, earned money and he lost it all. And so what California decided was that they were going to pass a rule that says if a minor earns money, then that money has to go into a trust where the parent or guardian can't take that money out until after the child, well, really, they can't take it out ever. Uh, so you see that things goes on. And some states have rules like that, not all states. The states also have rules on how young a baby can be before they appear in a commercial or before they can be a model. So some ages hmm. are one or two years old. But in New York State, it's 15 days. Wow. So you, you need to look at your state 
to see whether or not you're eligible to to have a newborn go in there. And why is it important to have a newborn go in there? Well, I do the math. If you say just have a baby one year, the first year that they're born, they're a model and they earn six thousand or sixty five hundred dollars, which is the current cap for IRA contributions. You put that all in there and then be a really lousy investor. Hmm. You make two or three percent less than what the average return is over that period of time. The child at age 70, when the child retires, because that's probably going to be the retirement age that at that point, more than two and a half million dollars. Uh-huh. So, so that's a good head start on retirement. And it's really shows the power of compounding. So I yeah, answered your true. question in a really long way, but I wanted to no, answer the key elements. That's great. I, I think I think it was Albert Einstein who said compounding interest is the, the eighth wonder of the world. Uh, and that's certainly true when you play it out. I was just crunching some numbers and I was even assuming you do over, over 50 years. Uh, let's see, a thousand bucks at 6% over 50 years grows to more than 18,000. Just a thousand bucks at 8% over 50 years, you get close to $50,000. It's uh, it's pretty impressive when you do it over the long term. And I think that's the that's the idea here, right, Chris, is that um, for a lot of folks, they feel pretty good if they start investing in their early 20s, say, and they're able to compound for uh, for a few decades. But it's possible to get, to your point, 60 or 70 years of uh, compounding before um, an individual is thinking about withdrawing the money to fund their retirement. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that I found when I've interviewed people who have set up these child IRAs for their kids and also interviewed the now adult children who had those IRAs, is they are so impressed by what happened that for the parents they they're they're saying oh i wish we would have done this earlier but for the kids who are now adults and have kids of their own they're saying i want to do this earlier and and more often than what happened to me the kids don't even have to know about it so here's the thing about the child ira if you're a minor you cannot sign a contract so a parent or a guardian actually has to sign the ira paperwork That's important because different financial firms will call these types of IRAs different, different names. They don't all call them child IRAs. They'll call them custodial IRAs or minor IRAs or minor child IRAs or just IRAs that the parents signed the paperwork for. So there's a lot of different things. It it really is the same kind of IRA that you would set up for yourself. But the point is, is that the kids really... Some of these parents that I interviewed, they just set up these Roth IRAs, and they generally were Roth IRAs. We can get into that, why they're Roths in a second, but they'll, they'll set it up without the kids knowing, because the kids are too young. Right. They're earning money. They might even be spending that money. Let's say a kid in, earns $1,000 a year and buys a, I don't know, a video game or some a bike or whatever. Who knows? Probably not a bike, but something like a video game. And the $1,000 is spent. That $1,000 that was earned was spent. Well, the parents can take $1,000 that they have and use that to fund the IRA. Why? Because the child earned that $1,000. It doesn't matter where the IRA contribution comes from. As long as it's not Hmm. more than what the child earned, then you could put it into the IRA. So I think what I'm hearing, Chris, is is actually setting up the IRA and understood it's called different things in different places is i don't want to say trivial but but fairly straightforward a little bit of some paperwork and an administrative task there the harder part is finding the earned income so that once you have it set up you're actually able to contribute to it um 
because to your point, there's only you know only so many ways that um, that, that kids can can earn money. I want to talk through how those opportunities to earn money change. But before we do that, I, I do want to. You just mentioned the the that most of these are Roth. Uh, why is that? I'm assuming you could do a traditional IRA too, but it's probably more advantageous to do uh, a Roth. Why is that? So yes, it is more advantageous to learn to do a Roth. And I learned this the hard way. I set up child IRAs for my children as traditional tax-deferred mm -hmm. investments which or, or contributions, which meant that they paid no taxes. Well, foolish me, they weren't paying taxes anyway because they earned less than the standard deduction, both at the state and the federal level. And why I was thinking to do it as a regular contributory IRA, who knows? I, fortunately for two of my three children, I caught it before they started earning real salaries. Mm. So they were able to convert it all into a Roth. But don't make the mistake I made. If you've got a, a child and they're just earning that small amount, which is below the standardized deduction, they're not paying taxes on it. So there's no use to put it into a tax-deferred IRA. Put it into a Roth, they'll never pay taxes on it. That's that's yeah. the key. And then, you know, also, if you own your own business, depending on how that business is structured or, or what sort of uh, legal organization you have, primarily if it's a if it's a proprietorship, or I think some form of partnerships can't be a corporation, a C corp or an S corp. So if it's if it's something other than that, then if you hire your child, the rules are you don't have to pay payroll taxes. The child doesn't have to pay payroll taxes or any other sort of taxes on any earnings. So you can pay the child this below standard deduction amount without any payroll taxes no income taxes because it's below the standard deduction, put it into the Roth, never pay taxes on that money, and you can have more than a couple million dollars of tax-free money. Well, your child could when they retired. And again, that's a really good start to a healthy retirement. Yeah, it, it's great. And I, you know, I, I love too that uh, th there's kind of this restriction and that they can't take it out until retirement, right? So you don't generally have to worry about them blowing it on something foolish in there uh in their their early 20s um so let's talk about you, you talked about how an how an infant could potentially earn money from uh being in a commercial or, or modeling stock photos kind of talk through as that child grows up like i i suspect that once you get towards your, your teenage years it gets a little more traditional or obvious when you're my first job chris was bagging groceries at, at kroger in columbus ohio um it gets kind of more more uh, stood forward, I guess, then as the the, the child has paychecks, uh, et cetera, and it's, the, the earned income is more obvious. Um, but kind of between those two ends of the spectrum, what are some ways that you heard of people generating this earned income for their kids so that they are eligible to make a contribution to a Roth IRA? Well, before I get to that, let me answer the question that you didn't ask, but you sort of implied <laughs> before. And what I found out when I interviewed people is exactly your point. What do you do at different ages? What did they do at different ages? In your teenage years, it's a lot easier. And that's why I wrote this other book, which is over here, How to Turn Your Ch Teen into a Millionaire. It focuses on teenagers who had child IRAs using traditional type jobs. And those traditional type jobs could be at a grocery store, a fast food restaurant. It, it also blends into some of the jobs that you get preteen. 
So now let's talk about those. Those kind of jobs, if you think about it, what traditionally do, do young kids do to earn a few bucks from the neighbors? They might watch the kids. They might be babysitters. Babysitting. They might cut the grass or yep, do some yard too. work for the neighbors. All those things count. Even if you're not being paid through, say, a hmm. payroll system, you're just being paid cash. What you need to do, though, what the parent really should do, because you can't rely on the child to do this, is you need to keep track of everything to make hmm. sure if you get paid $50 for cutting the grass and shoveling the snow and all this, you write it down. How much you how much you got paid and what it was and what the date was. All hmm. that is important if the IRS ever comes in and says, hey, how did this seven-year-old earn $1,500 this year? That's a lot of money for a seven-year-old. Maybe, maybe not. Here's another thing that I found that they do. Technology. So you might think, oh, how could a how could a like a elementary school kid get paid for technology jobs? Well, the, the fact is. They know how to work the VCR. VCRs aren't even a thing anymore, so that's how old I am. But they know how to work the technology. They know how to do the apps on the phone, and, and the parents don't, or somebody else doesn't. So you can figure out a way to pay your child to do this if you have a business. If you don't have the business, a lot of times the kids learn how to use these social media platforms to earn money. And that's not just, say, selling products. A lot of these kids do. I've, I've interviewed one in particular, uh, a girl who started as a teenager. She's an adult now, but she started selling fragrances, perfumes. And she has since expanded that into a real live business that she, her products are in Walmart and everything. But she started as a teenager. And, it, you know, it, those are the sort of things that, teenagers or preteens can do. Another example is this, uh, middle school age. So this would be preteen. A child, uh, a girl again, really, and I don't know if these are girl kind of things or, or whatever, it, they tend to be creative. And they had uh, book bags or something like that that they would carry around in school. And this girl said, I didn't want a plain one, so I'll make a fancy one for me. Well, it was really cool and all her friends liked it, so she made it for her friends. And then their friends liked it and she said, well, you know what? I can't do this for free. I have to set up a little business. And she did. So she got paid that way. There was another example of a boy who lived next to a golf course. And what he would do is he would go into the ponds or the water hazards and pull out all the balls and then resell them you know, have a little bucket of balls and resell them as people went into the golf course. So there are these creative things that kids to do could do. I there's a whole chapter or two in the uh, in the uh, Cradle to Retirement book that really focuses on these different age groups and mm. what kind of jobs they can have with examples. So if you're a parent, and you're wondering what your child could do. Take a look at those and and see if you have any ideas there. Yeah, this is fun. You're taking me down memory lane here, Chris. As you're as you're rattling off some of these things, I'm I'm bringing going back to uh, going to my grandpa's house in Florida and collecting those those golf balls and putting them in egg cartons, and then you sell them for uh, for a couple bucks or, or whatever it was at the time. So it, it sounds like your suggestion is regardless of how this is this the money's coming in. If you're a parent, uh, get a notebook or I guess if you want to 
be in the, the 21st century, you fire up a, a Google spreadsheet or whatever it is and right. uh, just enter in, date, some notes, the money that was made so that I think the point of that is if you do get audited down the road, you don't have receipts. These kids aren't getting 1099s for the uh, the lemonade stands that they're running, but you've got some record of it and you can point to it and say, I contributed a thousand bucks to little Timmy's Roth IRA this year. Here's where all that money came from. Right, right. That's, that that's idea what you need to do. Yeah. You should yeah. have some simple records. It, it could be as fancy or as simple as you want, as long as it's there and you know where it is in case anybody ever asks. Okay. So you've, you've mentioned a couple of times here about if, um, if you own a business, if the parents own a business, that there are ways to uh, potentially uh, pay the kids. Uh, talk about that a little bit, parents. And I'd be curious too, if, if it would work with, with other relatives too, like if the grandparents own a business, if that kind of opens up the, the opportunities to get uh, minors earned income so that they can contribute to their Roth IRA. So certainly any business that a child works for can get you that earn, or get that child that earn, uh, earned money, earned income that's necessary to be to be able to contribute to an, an IRA. The tax savings, though, only occurs for parent-owned businesses. So if the grandparents own the business and hires the child, they're going to have to take out the payroll taxes. Hmm. So how do you maybe address that in a way where you can eliminate the payroll taxes? Well, here the parents can actually set up a side gig. So it's a it's a it's a part-time job, so to speak, a separate entity. And this actually is easier to do because like I said, you can't be an official corporation in order to avoid the payroll taxes. You have to be something like a Schedule C. Schedule Cs are really easy to set up. There, there's virtually no paperwork involved. At most, maybe as you get a DBA from your county clerk doing business as an assumed name, so it's not under your real name. And then set that up as a business Treat it as a business, though. Do get a QuickBooks thing or something and keep accounts on it. And so your child now is working for that business. It's your business, but your child is working for it. And that business then provides services, say, to the grandparents' businesses. So what are the sort of things that kids do in businesses? It could be anything from sweeping the floors to stamping envelopes, licking envelopes, to, to you know, simple sorting things. You have to make sure that the job the child does is reasonable for that child. So remember how I said you can have technology. The kid could do technology. Mm -hmm. Well, not a lot of kids can program in Python. Uh, <laughs> not a lot of seven-year-olds can do that. Maybe a couple. So you have to demonstrate that the kid is actually competent in that particular area. So as you get older, you're going to you're going to take on more talents as a child. And that means that how much you get paid is more. You don't have to get paid minimum wage, but you do have to get paid something that's reasonable. So if you're sweeping full floors, maybe you get paid a minimum wage. You don't get paid five hundred dollars an hour. On the other hand, if you're sitting and posing for a picture. So now this is going back to the advertising or the modeling thing, then yeah. you might be able to get paid five hundred dollars a sitting which could mm -hmm. be an improver too. One thing about mm -hmm. modeling that you should know uh, is that when I interviewed modeling agencies, what they told me is a child is not a model forever. Very rarely do you have a baby model 
grow up to be a toddler model to an elementary school, to middle school, to a teenage, whatever, a model. So there's usually like this sweet spot, this window of opportunity of being a model. And, you know, at some point you grow up and then you lose all those whatever modeling looks that you need. Or the opposite could happen is that you grow into them and you've got these modeling looks, but only lasts a little bit. So you want to be able to take advantage of that when you could, primarily if you're going to go through a modeling agency. If you're modeling for the family business, it doesn't matter what you look like. In fact, sometimes it's it's better to look like your family. That could be the ad. You know, hey, you know, we're all in here. This is a family-run business. Here's our whole family. This is all we do. And so that could be an advantage to to do that. There's no modeling looks that's really relevant for that. Yeah, I think I was the the former there, Chris. I was a, a, a cute kid, and then it kind of uh, disappeared as I got a little bit older. But uh, it's okay. I got some some cute photos in the scrapbook, so I'll take it. Um, what about what about household chores? Can that work? Is that a gray area? Is that a, a no no? Household chores. Uh, you're going to probably have different schools of thought on that. The safest thing is to not include them. By the way, you know I'm. I'm just a writer on this, a, yeah. a reporter, an author. I'm not a tax advisor. So you want to actually talk to a tax advisor, a child labor attorney, you know, people who are experts in this field to answer the tough questions. And if if it's still kind of fuzzy, well, this is just my opinion, as I always say, if it's fuzzy, don't do it. Be conservative. You know, don't don't. Household I think there's a about so yeah. There's a Sturgill Simpson song. It says, "If if there's any doubt, then there is no doubt." So I think you and I are like Chris a little more. Uh, we want to maximize the tax efficient savings, but uh, don't want to don't want to end up on the wrong side of of an audit. Right. Um, so let me let me ask you about for so for for parents who are listening to this and think this sounds fantastic. I wish my parents had had done this for me, but I'm going to do it for for my kids. And by the way, that's me who I'm describing right now. My uh, my parents, uh, God bless them, not because they were uh, just because they they didn't know about this. I never had a. Uh, child IRA, but it's something that I'm going to do do for my kid. Do you have recommendations of, um, of, of what's the easiest way to set this up? Are there some providers that you've heard good things about, others you'd steer clear of? What's the easiest way for someone who's listening to this, uh, who wants to get this up and running? Well, I interviewed what I'll call the big three, Schwab, Fidelity, and Vanguard, but don't limit it to that. So mostly any kind of financials platform. Uh, mm -hmm. So it could be any sort of mutual fund company or brokerage fund, uh, company or even a bank can offer this to you. Now, there are generally costs associated with this. So you have to look and see which ones are more affordable to you. I'll tell you one of the things that I find interesting when I interview people who do this, who have done this, yeah. more often than not, they're financial professionals. Mm -hmm. They're not say regular people uh because the financial planners or financial professionals are aware of this they're yep. not just financial planners they could be brokers they could be accountants people like that they're aware of it why don't more professionals do it now some do but the fact is there's a lot not a lot of money to be made doing this think about it you're just setting up iras mm -hmm. for kids that are a few thousand dollars a year you can't really generate that much money but there is still a cost and different service providers 
have different costs. Brokers and the um, mutual fund companies generally aren't going to charge an upfront cost. The cost is going to be embedded somewhere within the investments that you select. Banks, they could do that, especially if they use the brokerage arm of the bank. Or if they don't, maybe there is a minimum or other sort of charge associated with it. So that's probably the most important thing that you want to look at is how exactly does this this financial service provider get paid from the child IRA? Because if you're only putting in a few thousand dollars a, a year and you're paying $100, that's going to eat away at your, your potential earnings. Okay. Um, that's great, Chris. This is, this is fascinating. I think this is, you know, I, I love talking about these types of things on the show. It's great when there are things that are relatively easy and, and straightforward. Certainly there's, you know, a, a little bit of, uh, of a headache here to get this running, uh, but has the potential to create a massive amount of money. And if you calculate the, you know, the hourly rate you talked about over the course of 70 years, uh, creating north of, of a million dollars in, in wealth from planting a few little seeds now, um, I think this is a no-brainer for a lot of people. Is there a catch? Am I missing something? Why don't more people do this? I just think people don't know. When I do, when the books came out, I did book tours on it. And I would go to bookstores and rotary clubs and, you know, all these different places to do to do the discussion of the book. And it's amazing that the people, their, their jaws just drop down mm. saying, yeah, this is easy. And why am I not doing this? Or I wish I knew when my kids were younger that I could do it. It's it, it, the only people who weren't surprised by it. Again, we're the financial professionals in the crowd. Oh, yeah, right. This isn't news. I already know about this. Well, yeah, you do. But 90% of the people don't. And part of what I want to do is just get the word out, not only to, to regular people so that they understand what this is and what kind of advantages and benefits it offers, but also to the financial professional community to help them articulate how to present this to potential clients. And I liken it, I gave actually a presentation to a, uh, a group of investment advisors. So these are high level multi-million dollar client type people. And I explained to them is that look at this as maybe planting a tree for the future in your firm. So you know that over time, these are going to be million-dollar accounts. They're not going to be million-dollar accounts probably during your tenure at the firm. And this is particularly true for smaller firms now, this type of pitch. And, that, and, and at some point, you're going to have to have an exit strategy for your company. You're generally going to sell it to people who mm -hmm. are below you, within you. Wouldn't it be nice if you could have these these oak trees, you know, you can nurture them and grow them so that when it's time to sell your business, they're really, the potential is really there. And, and you know, not only that, so not only does it help you and sell your business, but think about how it really gets you closer to your client. One of the yeah. biggest problems that financial providers have is that they establish the relationship with just one generation, the older generation the parents. And when the parents sort of uh, age out, uh, so to speak, the kids have their own ideas of who to work with. Now, if, you, if you're in a family office situation, you've already got this figured out because you're already addressing multiple generations. 
but most financial providers just view one-on-one whoever the the client mm-hmm. is and their kids forget about it but now there's an opportunity or here's an opportunity really to get the kids involved at the right time because here's what happens when kids see what these these child IRAs do it's like winning a game you know playing a game they're their eyes just grow wide. He's like, wait, this is my money now? Look at all the digits I have in my account. Now, for a kid, that's only four or five digits, and they'll be impressed with that. Uh, But that's the point, is get them excited. Get them enthusiastic. And you could start teaching them. I mean, this goes for parents as well as financial professionals. But, you know, you the the kids are going to be curious. They're going to want to know how to win this game even more because everybody loves winning. Yeah, I, I love that analogy of, of planting the, the seeds that grow into the oak trees. I love the idea of kind of that ancillary benefit, too, of a good way to teach your kids about money. You're right. They're going to see that account balance and think that's uh, a lot of uh, video games or pixie sticks or baseball cards or whatever kids are into now. I guess I'll find out in a few years. Um, but I, I love that. Is it, um, besides the dollars and cents of this, it's a great way to to teach your kids about money. And I think uh, not enough folks do that, and there's tremendous value in, in uh, this being a vehicle to do that with your children. Um, Chris, this has been awesome. This is fantastic. I, I learned a lot. I'm going to get uh, an IRA set up for, for my son here. Um, I want to thank you for joining us today. Where can folks go to learn more about, about child IRAs, about your books, about all the different things that you do? Well, for child IRA, it's really easy. Just go to childira.com. And there will be a website there. You can go to the tool page. I've got tools for parents, tools for grandparents, tools for parents with businesses, even tools for financial professionals. Um, Otherwise, if you're interested in some of my other books, which you see behind me, you can go to chriscarosa.com and it talks about all those books there. Or look up my name on Amazon and my author's page and it'll go through those books too. Okay, great. We'll put a, I'll put links to, to all those in the show notes. Uh, I'm going to have to have you on again and talk about the history of the hamburger. Um, we don't have time to cover that today, but uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Um, Chris, I want to thank you again for, for joining me today. Uh, really a pleasure. Uh, I learned a ton. Thank you. All right. Thank you. That's it for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify to help spread the word to other investors. And we'll be back soon with another episode.